All About Fitness is brought to you by TerraCore. Improve balance, strengthen your core, burn calories for weight loss. The TerraCore is so versatile and functional that Men's Health Magazine recently featured it as one of the top 25 must-have products for a home gym. Go to TerraCoreFitness.com and use code AAF10, that's AAF10, to save 10% on the purchase of a TerraCore. Check out the show notes for links that show the TerraCore in action. Or you can go to TerraCore Fitness on Instagram or YouTube for a number of killer exercise ideas. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to episode 124 of All About Fitness. What is your why? What motivates you to exercise? What gets you out of bed and into the gym and push yourself to, you know, to accomplish physical feats? You know, some people claim they have no motivation, while other people seem to be highly motivated to achieve outstanding accomplishments. On this episode of All About Fitness, Hannah Eden returns. Hannah Eden is a coach, an owner of the Pump Fit Club, a fitness studio in South Florida, and a leading influencer on Instagram. On episode 110, Hannah and I talked about what motivated her to start preparing for the ring road race around Iceland. That's a race literally around the entire circumference of the island of Iceland. During our conversation, Hannah shared how the loss of a close friend really impacted her and what she was doing to raise money to fight cancer. So on this episode, I invited Hannah to come back and share her experience, what it takes for her to train around the ring road. You know, on this episode, Hannah shares what motivated her to train and what motivated her on those days when she was just really tired, her legs were heavy, she didn't want to get on the bike, but yet she did. Many times fatigue can have a huge impact on us when we're training. But if you have the right purpose, you have a right reason for training, you can overcome fatigue and accomplish amazing things. Well, that's what we talk about. On this episode of All About Fitness, Hannah talks about her experience. What motivated her to start training for this ring road run? How she fought through fatigue, how she fought through that in the memory of a close friend. After a brief word from a sponsor of All About Fitness, it really is a pleasure to sit down and catch up with Miss Hannah Eden. All About Fitness is sponsored by Hyperware. Hyperware is a maker of sandbells and softbells. These are unique weights. Sandbells are like a combination of a little sandbag and a medicine ball. They come in different weights, and you can do a variety of different exercises with them for core training, strength, metabolic conditioning. And softbells are a cousin of the sandbells. What they are is a sandbell that allows you to have a dumbbell, barbell, or kettlebell attachment. These are great products, whether you're training at a gym or you're training in your own home. One of the reasons why I love them for my home use is they don't roll anywhere. You know, sometimes you set a weight down and it starts rolling away in the floor. Sandbells don't do it. You can throw them, lift them, swing them, catch them, do all kinds of fun things with them. Go to hyperware.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R, wear.com. Check out sandbells, check out softbells, and check out their vests. They make one of the best weight vests in the industry. Use code AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of a Hyperware product for your own use. That's Sandbells, Softbells, and the Vest by Hyperware at hyperware.com. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness, and today I'm catching up with Hannah Eden. The last time we spoke with we spoke with each other, Hannah, you were just getting ready for a little challenge where you were going to run around an island. Uh, can you fill us in on what that was and, and, and what happened? Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me back again. I really appreciate being here. 
yeah, I had a nice casual stroll around um, the entire ring road around Iceland. It was a total <laughs> of uh, 828.6 miles, and I can't ever miss out that 0.6 because we made sure that we, we covered it all. So I did that back in July, and now it's been a few months, and uh, it's kind of like the dust has settled, you know, and we're back, and it was really, really cool to get to hear from you again to talk about what happened while I was there. Well, as I mentioned, you know, in the email I sent Hannah, well, first of all, I want to thank you for your time. Um, and I just, just to let you know, I had some really good feedback. I've, I've bumped into a few people at a few fitness events I've been at who really uh, told me how much they appreciated our conversation and what you shared about in the last time we spoke. And, you know, so what was the reason? You know, I, like I said, I, I saw you written up in the Wall Street Journal, which I thought was phenomenal. But what was the reason? What motivated you to do the, the, the ring road around Iceland? Yeah, so it's kind of one of those situations where it, it began and it is still like it's a devastating story, but it's one of those things where something is as terrible as what happened to Jessica and the whole Boswell family could either change your life for the worst or you could take action and try and take the most devastating situation and get some kind of good out of it. And I knew that from being, I don't know, this influencer that I am and trying to do all these great things for people that I don't know. And then it hit so close to home when a, uh, one of my best friends was diagnosed with terminal stage four colon cancer, which ended up metastasizing and, and it was terrible. And while she was pregnant, uh, sorry, while she was diagnosed, she was six months pregnant with her second child uh, with just a two-year-old at home, married, you know, just, I think, I'm not sure exactly how much detail we went over it last time, but just an incredible life and such a good people to, the, to their soul, just good people in and out. You know, did everything right, tried to build this empire, which they were well on their way towards. They got married. They've been together for 10 years, had their first baby, who is now three, but was two at the time. Well, they were super excited with this ecstatic news that they were going to have their second baby boy and it was going to be great. And just found out that she had cancer and that she had no idea, you know, and she fought as hard as she could. I was going to say, you just went a little muffled on me there, so sorry about that. But you're talking no about worries. that she got diagnosed with, with stage four? Yes, you got diagnosed with stage four. Um, it's a pretty crazy series of events that how it happened. She had a really painful pregnancy and kept complaining about back pain and thought that she had like a tractor. As you can tell, the elves at Skype were getting a little cranky, but we continue on with the conversation. At home, she was a high risk with a high risk OBGYN because so after that you're always going to be with a high risk, and they still didn't notice anything, and she complained a lot, you know. So it was a really scary situation when you're in one of the most vulnerable stages of your life, hoping that these doctors. Well, it's scary. Well, let me ask you about that because you you yourself have not had children, correct? That is right. So in seeing this, it just it sounds like if you're using a microphone, it sounds like there's something coming between. Uh, your 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 voice, your mouth, and the microphone. So I'm not sure if that's something that can be. How is it if I do this? Is that better. That sounds a little bit better. Yeah, that sounds a little consistent. Because okay. what was happening is you're fading away a little bit. Sorry about that. No. So this is a friend of yours, and you're seeing her go through her pregnancy. Was there anything in hindsight? Did she ever ask the question? And this might be a tough one for me to ask you, but was there anything that that she could have done that maybe would have helped her? be diagnosed earlier was it a matter of they found you know, out as a result go ahead now it's all said and done there could be so many times where you would think you well if she did this would she have done that and it's a place where you kind of try and avoid going to but i was there 
because they, they moved out of town. They moved from Fort Lauderdale to Tampa, which is like a three-hour drive. And we were there in August, and she was riddled in cancer. She'd had the tumors, they said, for up to five years prior to her diagnosis. Um, but she was pregnant, but she was tiny. She, was, she hadn't gained that much weight. She was extremely irritable, you know, but it was like she's just grumpy and pregnant or she's just tired and pregnant. And she told her doctors. So, you know, as much as I don't know if she had gotten a second, third, fourth opinion, but I think at that point in your in your pregnancy and being with your doctor for so long, she confined in them and she trusted that, you know, and let them know that she wasn't doing well. Um, but I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. I, I'm not sure. Well, and the reason why the only reason why I ask that, Hannah, is because what I try to reach out to is such a fit audience. And sometimes for people, I think, in exercise like yourself, myself, sometimes if something's a little bit wrong, gone wrong, like we're not feeling 100 percent, I think our mentality is we'll just work through it. That oh, right. I, might just, I just, might just be a little bit I might be a little bit under the weather. Or I might be a little nicked up and we work through it instead of going in and seeing, you know, and getting diagnosed. So. The reason why I asked that, and again, I didn't think you, you might know the answer, but the reason why I asked is just to raise awareness to listeners. If something doesn't feel right, you know your body. I, I think you know your body well enough, Hannah, as an athlete, that if something really didn't feel right, that you would go seek the proper treatment to, to find out what was happening with it. Absolutely. And that's now that the this situation has occurred and, you know, you can learn from everything. Um, that is the biggest thing that I've taken away from this is that youth is not on our side. And, and I think, you know, now I'm in that place where I'm almost 30. I'm not old by any means, but I'm definitely not like a spring chicken anymore. And, and, you know, you, you start, you can walk off pain and you can like sweat out a sickness. Like if I, I got to listen to my body now and what the situation with Jess really, I'm not going to lie, scared me. And it, it forced me to Make sure that I, I check up with my every single one of my pap smears. Make sure that I am up to date with doctor's visits. If I'm not feeling good, follow up on it. You know, like you never know. And then on the other flip side, it's like to the point that that just blew me away is that Jess was fit. You know, Jess was a healthy person. She wasn't unhealthy. And she know, I feel like she would have known her body and there was no side effects other than when she got pregnant, which accelerated the hormones, you know, accelerated the growth of the cancer cells. Um, but I'm sure that she probably still went to every pap smear and had her mammograms done, but they were never looking for colon cancer. You know, why would they ever check that if she didn't know? There was no history of it in her family. It wasn't hereditary. Like, it's just such a, a freaky case. But, yeah, I, no matter how fit you are, no matter how young you are, don't miss a doctor's appointment. If something doesn't feel right, follow up on it. The whispers always turn into screams. Someone told me that once, and it's so true. You know, the lingering aches and pains that they will, you know, blossom into something. And, and pain doesn't make you weak. I think that's something in fitness as well. It's like, to your point, that people just push past it. Pain isn't normal, you know, and it doesn't make you weak. It makes you a real athlete if you listen to your body and you try and make sure that you're in tune with it and that it's healthy. So let's let's take that and let's take the, the ring road because – Reading, you know, reading up on it, you know, reading a little bit of your input, you don't consider, you describe yourself more as a power athlete. I mean, you're a strength competitor, you did some CrossFit competitions, and, and just from following your social media feed, you appear to be much more power explosion, dynamic movement, not endurance. How tough was it, how tough was it to switch gears to go from being like strength and metabolic conditioning and hit to all of a sudden now you're doing an endur a multi-day endurance event? 
Well, you know, I went into the to it at the beginning with a very naive state of mind and being thinking like, you can do it all kind of mentality. Um, but to, you're right. I am a, an explosive, high intensity, like super quick, short burst, explosive, explosive movements. And uh, whenever I signed up to, or committed to this challenge, I had done one the year before, not quite as extreme, but I did 230 miles um, alongside uh, an athlete that did that, Ashley Horner, uh, in Haiti last year. But I didn't train. And I think from being the athlete that I am, that I might work on mobility. My muscles are very long and flexible and strong in their end ranges. But as an endurance athlete, it's short, tiny little strides and repeating the same exact movement over and over and over again that I didn't train for that. And my body was not ready. It could not handle it. It was just so excruciatingly painful that that I learned from my mistake that time. So whenever I decided to do this one, I got myself a coach and I gave myself like at least six to seven months of hardcore training. I committed it to it. I took it very seriously. It consumed me so that I could adapt my body to be able to handle the miles so that I could complete it. Cause I knew that it was, I am not an endurance athlete. I didn't even know how to ride a freaking bike. I think I figured that out on day four, you know, but I was training as hard as I could. So I wanted my body to be adapted to that movement pattern so that I would be able to finish. I was very aware of how extreme the distances were. Um, that I knew that my mind would be right as much as it would have been the toughest place, but I just needed my body to cooperate. And honestly, I am blown away by my body and the human body itself. The fact that I could walk onto the plane and like skip and jump home just blows my mind. And at what point was the toughest? I mean, it, it, you know, cause explain how, cause you did what? 800, 826.6. I want to make mm-hmm. sure you get credit yep. for the point six. Um, how many over? How many days was that? I mean, how was that broken up, and how was that organized and structured? So I went into it with a really solid game plan. So we had thought the logistics through for a very long time. They had changed a few times prior, but on our final meeting before we set off, the goal was to do it in nine days. Um, we were going to do. It was averaging around a hundred miles a day, just under, and in the middle I had a shorter day. Uh, and the game plan originally was I was going to bike 50, run 20 a day, right? No, do 100 miles, sorry, bike 50, run 20, and then finish with 30 on the bike every single day. Day one rolled around, and when we got there, the weather was so extreme. It was the worst summer that they had had in 10 years. I'm like, shit, of course it is. <laughs> the one year that we choose has to be, like, working against us. Then I decided uh, prior, I was very, um, it's so mental whenever I was preparing for it that everyone kept asking me like, are there hills in Iceland? And I, and I didn't really know the answer 100%, even though I'd driven around the ring road prior with Nordic track. We were in a van and I don't think you feel the slight percentage of incline when you're in a car than you do when you're on a bike and exhausted. So in my mind, I thought, no, there's not really that many hills, even though the entire country is volcanoes and mountains. I don't know what I was thinking. So I went into it, and as soon as we dropped off on day one, the winds were coming directly at us, and I found this weather map that showed you the direction of the winds, which psyched me out, and the hills were just insane, right? The weather was terrible, wind is terrible, and the hills. So day one was the hardest day, and as soon as I got on that bike, I was going at like 100%, but the winds were 9 to 10, 12 miles an hour coming towards me head on, that it was almost pushing me backwards, you know? So it was not a good place for me to be. Uh, And the first day, I don't think we even completed the 100. We got to like 97. And 
I had like a moment, you know, and it was not a good place. We worked until three o'clock in the morning and I was supposed to be done at 5 p.m. so I could rest. So it was very dramatic, very like, holy shit, this is day one. How am I going to do this for nine days? I'm trying so hard, but everything's working against me. So negative. My mind was so negative, just panicking about everything. Had, I was having fights with my team. I, it was just like not a good thing. So I went to bed that night and was like, you know what, Hannah? Like, it is what you make it. It's perspective, right? Yeah, the weather sucks. Yeah, you're sore. Yeah, everyone sucks, you know. But at the end of the day, you just completed 97 miles more than zero. So how I look at this is going to determine how I feel about it. So the next day, I woke up with a very different state of mind and had intentions with what I was doing and was just taking it as rather than I have to complete 100 miles today, it was, you know what? I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to go out there and just do my best and see how I feel and see how the day goes and stop putting so much pressure or like expectations on my performance for the day. And that changed the game for me. I went alone. I had some really like a good solid 50 miles alone to give myself this pep talk over and over again. You know, it was struggled again and and it was a tough situation, but it was better. Then I forget what happened, but every single day up until day four, something happened that just mm-hmm. threw me off. I asked, it was one of, I, get, I don't know how much detail you want about this whole thing, but I can tell you my biggest takeaways without going through it. Step yeah, by step. that's exactly, is like, what, what, what was it? I mean, like, what do you take away from doing 800, you know, some miles in such a short period of time? Cause that's not easy. And besides the physical toll, I mean, the, my biggest question for that type of stuff, Hannah, is always the mental aspect. How do you, Oof. cause what you just mentioned, the mindset is everything and how you approach it. And so completing that, I am sure you're, you're, you're adjusting how you look at fitness and maybe look at the world. So what, was, what were the big Absolutely. takeaways? I think my biggest takeaway is that no one is ever going to do it for you. And that goes for everything. And if every, I kept having these crazy epiphanies as I was losing my mind and like speaking out loud to myself like a psycho. But really, though, you know, no one is ever going to do it for you. And that goes for life itself, business, your job, your career. And then fitness, like no one's going to do it for you. And then in this aspect, I kept trying to blame everyone and everything. And that's my biggest takeaway, right? For everything that I was feeling myself. And that shocked me because I always look at, you know, the world and I, and I always try and tell people like, don't, you got to work for everything that you want. You're in control. You control your future. Don't let your past define you. Like this is a huge point of what I feel and I genuinely do. And then when I was put in that position, I was like, man, I am being that person. I keep trying to blame someone for the fact that that my bike is is not going too well today. I'm trying to blame someone else for the fact that we started an hour late, so that must have meant that the winds would change, and that's why it was so hard. I just kept trying to find excuses for my performance or my feelings, which was bullshit, you know, because no one did anything other than what they were there to do, which was to help me, support me, keep me on the right track, and, and, and make sure that I was fed, and fuel. No one's going to push those pedals. It wasn't their, their journey. It wasn't their challenge. That was mine. And that was something that I set for myself. And I think it was on day four where I was like, oh my gosh, it's so clear to me. And now I get it. Like, I just got to go. As much as I want to complain and cry and stay inside and tell everyone how much sore I am, what good is that other than going to get me in the worst state of mind and it's going to prevent me from moving? I'm going to focus on the negative, you know? So it was that. It's like, no one's going to do it for you. That was one thing. And the second one was state of mind, which I touched on again in perspective. Every time I kept thinking about the pain that I was feeling, it would worsen. 
Whereas as much as there is a line and I, I talk about, I've talked about this before. And one of my friends that's a doctor, she's like, girl, you need to understand that there's a line that you need to find that you don't cross. And I understand that for everyday life, but in a situation where you, you set out to do 800 miles, those lines get crossed. I mean, 800 miles is not a normal thing to be able to do, but I kept telling my mind that I couldn't feel the pain even though I did. And so rather than getting up and when you walk up, when you get up and you naturally are so sore that you can barely even stroke your legs, all you want to say is like, make it like a noise, like, ah, like, you know, or, oh my God, I'm so sore. Or, this hurts so bad. And I wouldn't, when I felt the sensation, I would get up and be like, this is amazing. This pain is reminding me that I'm alive. I would try and laugh about it and laugh the pain off rather than cry about it. I would try and like say, tell myself over and over again, what, what you're doing is amazing. You ain't, you're not done yet. Like, you, you know, like coaching myself and telling myself exactly what I wanted to hear by reversing the negative thoughts and trying to put it into a positive place. And man, when I did that, my, if my head was in the right place, I, my performance 100% would rely on my state of mind. If my head was in a bad place, I would stop every five miles and tell my team I'd need to go inside and do this and that, which really wasn't it. I was just focusing on the negative. And when you focus on the negative, you want to quit. When you focus on the positive and how far you've come and what you're doing right now is so incredible, then then your body will, will listen, you know? And that, that was huge for me. So I've tried to take that home when even in business and this perspective, when, whenever you see something so clearly your way, that same point can be flipped in 500,000 different perspectives and, and different ways and seen from so many different angles. And just because it's not your way doesn't mean that it's the right way, you know? And I think that one of the things that, that, that I'm hearing, Hannah, is that, yeah, this was tough. It was not easy by any stretch of imagination. But here you are. You're young. You're fit. You have your health. And there are people, thousands, tens of thousands of people around the world who don't have the benefit of good health, who don't have the benefit of good fitness, and they would probably gladly trade their pain for yours. Maybe they're, maybe they 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 have cancer. Maybe they have other issues going on. And you know what I've just learned in my life is that sometimes I got to be thankful for the challenges I have because ch- challenges other people are facing would you know if they were going to swap, they would gladly take mine over theirs any day. You know, is that yeah. did, did did this help you gain some perspective in terms of just overall approach to life? It sounds like it did. Absolutely. And, and to life itself and also to that journey. And that's a dark place, you know, that I, I don't know how much I'm, there's going to be a documentary that comes out and I will absolutely give you the link to check it out. But I saw some really dark things during the last weeks and months of Jess's life. You know, I saw the pain on a level that no one should ever, ever have to endure, you know, and I, that, I thought about that you know, every single day that I wanted to quit, I'm like, this is temporary and this is a choice. You know, I'm choosing to put myself through this pain to try and get through shit on a personal level to deal with that, what's at hand, but also to let everyone else that's going through cancer, I will never understand that. You know, I will never, ever, ever, I hope, fingers crossed, ever understand, understand that pain. But don't quit. You know, we need you. You got to keep going and, and, and pushing. And that was what I related to every every day and every day that we woke up we had uh, emails that were sent in from people strangers around the world we invited them to kind of write us their story and tell us who they would like us to dedicate a mile to while I was out there and I did and I read I woke up every morning and, and we kept this folder of, of letters and we read them so every day that I was 
going through all of that and, and getting crushing these miles, it wasn't for me. It was always for the greater of someone else because if it was for me, I wouldn't have been there. I would have been at home <laughs> sipping on a cocktail watching someone else do it, you know? Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't the whole point of what I was doing was to to stand for those that can't stand for themselves. And it was just such a cool experience. And that the support that we had is just mind-blowing to me. How many people that supported this mission is just so insane and I'm so grateful for it. Well, because when you look at this, when you look at any whether it's cancer or any type of medical ailment, you know, I think a lot of that, and this is just from seeing friends, family, whatever, a lot of how people address it, their mindset has mindset has everything to do with it. And you've probably witnessed people that have gone through, you know, trials and tribulations and come out on the other side because, you know, you're British. So you keep a stiff chin and you, you head into the wind. You know, I mean, that, you know, to, to borrow from Winston Churchill, to kind of paraphrase that, you have to keep a stiff chin and move forward. Whereas how many times in fitness, and I'm going to take a step back because fitness isn't nearly as serious you know, exercising in a gym, doing a group workout isn't nearly as serious as fighting for your life with, with a terminal disease. But how many times do you think, Hannah, people let things like, oh, I can't do this or, oh, I feel this way or this hurts. How many times do you think that people let that negative self-talk stop them from, from following through on an exercise program that could otherwise provide results? Way too often. And that's the thing. It's like fear of failure. And, and, and on the other side, it's like almost fear of success which is scary, which is really scary, you know, like almost feeling like you're not worthy of succeeding, so you're not going to do it. And that's something that is terrifying. But also the fear of failure is equally as terrifying because you're not even giving yourself the chance to discover what you're able to do. And I don't know if that's because your fear, the fear of failing itself or the fear of allowing other people to see you fail. You know, I'm not sure, hmm. but either one... It's not fair to, to, to yourself. And, and no, sorry, go ahead. No, I would say that's a great point. And I think, you know, because what I've heard people say is like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, I'm like, let's not, don't worry about what you can't do. Let's focus on what you can do. Yeah. Now, what can you do today? You're here. You showed up here for a reason. What can you do today? So for people with that, how do you take that can do message and, and how do you kind of, how would you amplify it to, to get people to focus on what's positive? Uh, you know, what can you do today as opposed to trying to put these negative, this negative self-talk in your head? Yeah, I think that whenever anyone, as far as relating this to fitness, and that's, that's like an excuse, right? Or like, I can't do that. Or I, 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 that's too hard for me. And like you said, focus on something that you can do because the feeling of, of succeeding with what you can do will only motivate you to up that bar and make it a little bit more extreme and it will get closer and closer to that first thing that you said that you couldn't do. It doesn't happen overnight, but start small and set a goal that's attainable because then you continuously just up the bar, up the bar. Because my first goal when I when I started out was not most certainly not doing what I'm doing now. It was probably to be able to run five minutes without walking. And that wasn't a goal that I set, which was easy. But the feeling that you get when you succeed is so great. And it's like so motivating. Whereas I think that people are so caught up with, I need to lose 20 pounds in eight weeks. Well, shit, that's almost impossible, you know, and that is impossible in a lot of cases. And when you fail at that, that's not a good feeling, and it's not going to keep you encouraged to want to come back and do more. So well, I think sorry, but that brings up a, a kind of a dialogue I've been having with people because a lot of times in fitness we, we, we kind of say, oh, you have to have these goals, you have to have these goals. And one of the things I think that might do, just what you're talking about, Hannah, is that somebody might think, I need to have this goal, and if I don't achieve this goal in three workouts, then I'm a failure. 
Well, what about what's your reaction? I'm interested in your reaction is what about a goal being if I tell somebody, why don't you have a goal of just enjoying the process? Don't worry about yeah. the outcome. Don't worry. The outcome can take care of itself. But why don't you set your goal for the next 30 days to just enjoy the process of exercise? Do you think that's something that people might be able to commit to? Yeah, absolutely. And and being like you, like you said, like, don't be so upset about where you're not. Just focus on where you're at. And if you can enjoy it and learn to love it, then all the other things come. And I, I, I say that all the time because I, I think that having goals are a great way to stay engaged and like keep your drive. But in between the goals, you've got to let go. Because if you focus on the goals so hard, it's you get disappointed because it doesn't happen quickly. And that's something that turned over maybe one or two years into fitness. It was always because at the beginning, the, the, the breakthroughs happen all the time, right? Oh my gosh, I can jump on this box or oh my gosh I can do this or I can do that and it happens all the time and then as you've been in fitness a little bit longer then those triumphs or those celebrations don't come so often so it's almost like you get bummed out so I I would always be like man just enjoy the process embrace the journey in fact embrace every failure that you have and look at that as an advantage because you just found a hole in your game that you can improve you know like state of mind is just so so important and when you did this, and when you talked about sometimes people being afraid of success, and I think this is an important question to ask you, Hannah, because you have been extremely successful, and we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing here in a second, but in the past few years, with what you're doing now, with kind of the, the notoriety that you've attained, is this something that you would have thought possible? Was this what kind of what you set out to do when you started going down this fitness journey? And how has success, success affected you? Wow, it's actually, this is a great subject to talk about. And I would love to talk about this with as many people that can, would, would like to listen. You know, I did not plan any of this to happen. And this is like, this is just real talk. And I always will be real so that I hope that the things that I've learned or the, the, the struggles that I have gone through in my short experience can help someone else or maybe make f- people be able to relate to that and understand that it's not all unicorns and rainbows. You know, it's not all what it seems to be on the outside. But I have had a very uh, successful, whatever that may mean to a lot of people, career in such a short amount of time. And I think that the fact that I didn't ever focus on what the what I was doing, like as far as like trying to find success, is the only reason why it has happened. It's because I'm not focusing on the end goal. You know, I'm focusing on right now, and I'm focusing on the things that I really enjoy, and I, I think that I'm onto something, and I've become obsessed with it. You know, that has caused uh, a lot of great exposure and a lot of growth over the past couple of years um but but with that being said uh whenever i i got into this whole fitness thing it started off as an athlete and then created this brand pump fit you know this new modality of combining all these different ways of fitness into one and trying to kind of create that crossfit feeling but eliminating the injury or the uh, the the intimidating movements to open up the doors to more people and it worked. And that was our goal. My husband and I, we decided to open up this gym December 1st. We were going to be gym owners. And that was what our goal was. But at the beginning, at the same time, was when the contest for Reebok 1 came up. And I made it to the finals. And all these great things ha- were happening. So we were like, wow, this is great. Like, we're going to write it out. We talked about it. And he said, you know, I support you. This is great for our gym. This is great for you. This is really cool. It was never like, I'm going to become this influencer and I'm going to get the cover of Oxygen magazine. Like, that was never the plan. There there never really has been a plan. It was like, we love fitness. 
we came to Fort Lauderdale, we started the gym and it worked. And then I'm like, wow, people really like it. People really like the gym because the gym is growing. And people like really like it around the world because they keep watching it on Instagram. So now I've got to figure out a way to create an online training program. So then we did that and that succeeded. That, and now that's grown, which has helped my image get around the world. And then other companies saw that what I was doing on social media. So then, you know, bodybuilding reaches out. Can we work together? Absolutely. Women's Health, Men's Health, and all these incredible brands came out. And it's been such a cool experience. But this year, when shit hit the fan in my personal life, you know, with, with Jess passing away and, and actually, unfortunately, at the same, the same week that Jess passed, my brother-in-law passed away the Friday after, which was terrible. We had two deaths in one week, which was just devastating. And then you stop and go, what am I doing all this for? Why am I working 17 hours a day? Well, and I'm ex as much as I'm enjoying it, you know, Paolo and I have been together for almost 10 years. And we always get asked, are you going to have kids? And the first response is, oh, no, there's so many places we want to go to. Or there's so many places that we want to see. Well, you know what? We are working so hard that we are not going to these places. We are not seeing these places. Or if I am, I'm doing it alone, you know? Like, is all this worth it? And then you start to question, you know, whenever anything devastating happens, you start to really grill your, your current situation. And do the people that are around me love me? Am I doing this for the right reasons? What is it that drives me? And, you know, you kind of start to have like this little breakdown and question everything that's going on around you. And then I stopped and realized, man, I, we created two things, right? We created this gym and we created this online brand for the Hannah Eden fitness brand, which has got so many people behind it, although on the face of it, and that they've both blossom and, and become these great things, but we've both tried to do both. And I think that we've become very spread thin this year and we've taken a step back now. And I've been trying to stay home a lot more for the end of the year to, to really put our hand on it and say, what is it that we're trying to do with pump fit? Where are we trying to take this gym? Are we, you know, what are we trying to do with the online business? Have we evolved? Have we outgrown being gym owners? Because when I'm gone, you know, it's a complication of that power has to take care of this. And we're all going through it. So as much as success has been great, it's also been confusing. And it's also been a problem. It's a great problem to have, but it, there's only one of me, you know, and I'm, I, I can only do so many things. And I think that after a while, when you just give, 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 the content that you give or the things or the emotion that you give starts to get affected as well because I'm just so worn out. So we're just trying to figure out right now exactly where we want to go, you know, maybe quality over quantity because we were just saying yes to everything and going here, doing this, and really dialing it back to make sure that I can give the best of what I can give because I'm enjoying every single second of it rather than just doing stuff because I feel like I have to, you know? Well, let me – because that, that's actually a very important point, Hannah, that I think – you're doing it at a much higher level than most, but I see a lot of, I've been, I've been working in, in fitness for about 20 years now. I'm in, I'm in my mid forties and I've been in commercial health clubs most of that time. And I can't tell you how often I've seen young, young men, young women like yourself come in and they, 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 they're, you're very passionate about helping people. You love what you do. You love being active. It comes easy to you. You know, you have to work hard at it. I'm not, I'm not, not, not saying you don't, but for you, working hard is easy, and you want to spread it to other people. But at some point, I see, I see trainers and instructors get this burnout because they're trying to see the early morning clients. They're trying to see the late evening clients. Mm -hmm. They're trying to teach. You know, They don't just teach classes. They do the classes. They're doing mm -hmm. three or four classes a day, you know, four or five days a week. And at some point, if you don't take care of yourself, 
then you don't have the energy to help the people that you want to help to help the, you know, you, you've curated this entire community around pump fit and, and, and you, you've created this, you know, I don't want to say image, but you, you, you've created this persona of just this really this powerful, strong woman. And I want to come back to that in a second about something else, but you have to take a step back sometimes and, and, and look at yourself, look at you and Paulo and say, Hey, if we don't take care of ourselves, if we take, don't take care of number one, you know, we can't take care of anybody else. You know, is that, is that kind of what you're going through right now with this, this sort of transformation? Yeah. Yeah. Because exactly what you said, you, you nailed it that it's like, you know, I'm always telling people to take care of themselves and to listen to that, you know, to make sure that they're in putting themselves fine first. It's always about number one. And then I stop and go, when was the last time that I actually sat down and, and took a moment to just chill? And I realized how bad it was on Monday. And, and this is all me just being on it. I got sick, right? I was hanging out with Jess's little boys uh, that gave me some kind of vi- stomach virus. And I was like, man, I got to stay home just in case it's contagious. I'm going to stay inside. And I'm not even kidding you. After two hours, I was like, wow, this is unhealthy. This is so obvious to me how unhealthy it is that it, I'm like going nuts because I'm, I'm staying still. And I think you get sucked into that, you know, and you, it becomes a norm and it's not, you got, you need that quality and that balance. And that's something that I'm seeking for now and, and, and definitely well on my way to get, uh, and, and closer to it every day. But it's being open and communicating about it too, is because I was working so much and so hard that I didn't have time or didn't give myself I was compartmentalizing a lot, you know, and I didn't give myself the time to realize how hard I was working. I just like Iceland, I took every day as it was just like I just had a job to do, you know, don't think about tomorrow, don't think about yesterday, just think about what you're doing right now and kill it. And and I think that that's good in a way, but you need to pump the brakes sometimes. And I'm I'm 100% learning that the hard way and uh, and and discovering about, you know, maybe something that will help me relax a little bit more, or slow down a little bit more and, and try and enjoy more you know well it's, it's it's hard not to do right i mean here you are you're, you're loving what you're doing you're getting a lot of notoriety for for following your passion and you don't want to say no because we know that's the challenge with our industry and i talk about this you know whether they're they're somebody's in their 20s or somebody's in their 50s this is the one challenge that a lot of us that do this face hannah is we don't want to say no because if we say no we don't know when that next opportunity might come up exactly and you, that's that that was my mentality about that going into this it's like well you know the fitness industry it's like it's like a revolving door and if anyone has a career it doesn't last very long so let's take advantage of this momentum and then at some point you're like whoa okay that's when I brought Megan on and then and Megan now is like really good at helping me handle and, and being real realistic about what's possible or not you know so we we turned down a lot of jobs for the rest of this year but we didn't realize that I mean like there was months in September last year that we were home for three days that's, mm. And living out of suitcases that have, I mean, I still have suitcases in my house. I think that haven't been unpacked for a month, you know, but it's like, that's not, it's not a good thing to do all the time. Yeah. It, we, we get caught up. It, it's very, it's very tough to get caught up in it. Now I want to ask you, this is, this is, I don't want to say it's a tough thing to go, but you and I, I don't think we've met in person. So it's somewhat, you know, I don't have that formal relationship with you. But one thing I've noticed in your Instagram post is you've really, in terms of your appearance, you, you've really leaned out over the last couple of months. Are you doing anything different in terms of your training to focus on a specific aesthetic appearance? Um, and, and, you know, do you have any information about that that you share with uh, share with listeners? Yeah. Uh, 
festival, I had gone back to my nutritionist. So I, I was eating on my own and kind of just going off of intuitive eating and just listening to my body, not being so strict as I used to be. And, uh, my knowledge on food choices was pretty naive apparently. And then I have been working with Alexia, Alexa, that is the nutritionist on my team that deals with everyone that trains with me, all of my online programs. If I have any nutrition plans, she's the one that designs them all. And she's got this incredible view on, on nutrition and, and, uh, just to be, you know, practicing what I preach, Palm and I jumped on the same and we've been prepping our meals every week for the past couple of months. And that's definitely, definitely taken a toll. And let me tell you what I can eat is I've been eating more than I've ever eaten and a lot more delicious foods than I was before. And I'm definitely on the lower body fat side. Uh, also running, you know, I've been running a lot, uh, prior to Iceland, I was trying to gain fat and gain weight. So I was probably not as lean as I am now since my, my diet has kind of changed since I've been back. But I'm still training, so I'm still running like over 10 miles a week. I have a run club here and with my members, and we meet every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and put some serious miles in. So we're still running a lot, which has changed the game. But uh, I've also been after Iceland. Uh, this is probably where you're seeing the lean and the muscle growth. I've been writing a ebook that I'm gonna be dropping in January um, to how it's pretty much gonna be called like Get Jacked because I lost so much muscle <laughs> when I was in Iceland. Every day I was just running my legs away and biking my everything away that I'd spent years trying to get. And so I've been going to back to traditional bodybuilding a little bit and, and implementing that into my program to also help me with stabilization and get that muscle and strength and balance fixed from, there was some serious miles put in in Iceland. So I'm trying to kind of correct the damage that was done. It, you know, so the reason why I brought up the appearance thing, because that's good to hear. And it's cool to hear that you have, you have a nutritionist working with your team that you use with pump fit. And obviously we'll talk about, you know, I'll we let you talk about how people can find out more about that at the end of the podcast. And one of the reasons I was noticing, one of the reasons I brought that up, Hannah, because this is a question I want to ask again, we don't have that personal relationship. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to do this to, to be too in, in your face, but this has been a conversation that I've been having with a number of other professionals and other, 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 other educators and it's really bubbled to the surface in the last week and a half, two weeks in fitness. And that's up until this point, fitness hasn't really had a me too. We have not had a me too incident where somebody has been, you know, up until recently, nobody had identified somebody in fitness as being sort of a, a serial harasser or somebody that stepped over the line when dealing with, when dealing with other people. And I say that because fitness is very inclusive and I, it could be male on male, female on female, as well as male on female harassment. And the, the question I want to ask is, as somebody who's been a model, as somebody who's extremely fit, you're, you're attractive and you, you do these photo shoots, have you ever been exposed to that? Have you ever felt any, been in any position where you felt that you've been harassed? And we don't need to name names, but fitness is a very intimate industry where you are around half-naked people most of the day. Mm -hmm. And it's a very close, if we're doing it right, if, if, if I'm your coach or you're my coach, we have a very close, intimate relationship because we're trying to help one another. Whether I'm, you know, whether I'm helping you or you're helping me, you get, you become very close with the people you work with. So maybe not you in general, but do you think in, in fitness that we've had a me too moment? And do you think that we have that issue in our industry? I think we'd be naive to say that we don't, you know, I think that unfortunately this kind of thing happens in every kind of industry that there is. Uh, from my personal experience, I have not. 
thankfully. I mean, I definitely have felt a situation and maybe that I am extremely defensive, you know, that's a, a weakness of mine that if someone wants to hire me and, and, and I don't know that company or it's from like a cold, cold source, you know, that it's maybe for the wrong reasons or to represent a product for the wrong reasons. But I've been very um, cautious and very aware of where I've been putting my brand and trying to kind of like who I've been working with. So there is definitely a side of fitness where fitness has become so sexualized and that's what I try and preach to not be because it's not about that, you know, it's not for me anyway. Um, so I've stayed away from that side of, of fitness. So I've never really experienced it as far as the, the brands that I've worked with now, thankfully have been so respectful. Um, I actually did a nude shoot for the bot for bodybuilding, the volume of work. And I had no uncomfortable experience whatsoever. They were the most professional guys. I'm, I'm sure they deal with naked bodies all the time. But um, I personally haven't. But I'm sh I mean, think we would be extremely naive to say that it doesn't, which is sad. Well, which is sad. when I ask that, Hannah, because I want, you know, there might be a listener, there might be other listeners out there who are young women that, that see what you're doing and, and they aspire to be an influencer, to, to be doing what you're doing with the magazines and with national brands. And there are plenty of there are plenty respectful, admirable, great people that work in fitness. But it really is, it is something you mentioned. It is every industry has had this issue, and you know it's only lately reared its head within fitness with um, somebody who who's been accused of kind of crossing the line with some people at some conferences. And I just mm -hmm. I just you know I feel the kind of the need to ask because we have to talk about it. Because if it, if we don't talk about it, then it's like you know we're like ostriches with our head in the sand. We're not you know we're not you know, identifying it. And I think the yeah. best thing that we can do is identify or just make people aware that, Hey, this is not right. If somebody's, you know, if somebody does this, you do not need to, to put yourself in a position where you risk no, your integrity for, for a job or for any profession. And now, I remember we touched on this last time I was re-listening to our podcast right before we got on the, on the call, but I touched on this last time, how at the beginning of my social media growth, I thought that I had to be this sexy girl posting pictures in lingerie I hope that my success or my growth shows all of these girls that are trying to get into fitness that that is not what you have to do in order to succeed. Being real and truthful is what people want nowadays. They don't want this sexy shit. They can find that in other places. But nowadays, fitness has become so big that you can do fitness for fitness. And you don't have to – You don't. there's no cutting corners by taking your clothes off or doing booty shots. Like, you know, you can get there by keeping all your clothes on. And it may take you a little longer, but it's going to last a lot longer because people will respect that and people will appreciate the, the realness. And, and, you know, as females, you don't have to do that. And, and, and I think that's the wrong idea that a lot of brands will also kind of advertise that sex sells, products sell through sexualizing their brands. Well, not really. Products will sell from results, right? Yeah, Which can it, be done with clothes on. Well, it's, it's creating the community. And that's one thing that, that I respect about your posts is, you know, the images I see that, that you put out there, Hannah, are just about, you know, like I said, strength and power and just kind of being, you know, being what you want to do and kind of controlling your life. Now, to shift gears and get ready to, to wrap it up, because I re respect your time. You said you and your husband are working on a project together. Do you want to talk about that a little bit about what you yeah. and Paulo are doing? Oh, it's so exciting. So we have been selected to be America's Fittest Couple Challenge coaches. So it's the third year in a row this Oxygen magazine uh, hosts America's Fittest Couple Challenge. 
um, first year and second year with Chris and Heidi Powell. And now this year, it's going to be Powell and myself. So we've just been in L.A. We decided during makeup that day that we had three days to shoot content. We were going to shoot like instructional videos on this is what you need to do and go for it and kind of follow a written out plan. And when we were in hair and makeup, we said, you know what? Let's like disrupt and let's make a noise here and like shake everyone and kind of switch it up and let's do real time follow along workouts. So Paolo and I shot 30 days of workouts in three days, real time, eight workouts a day from the beginning to the end so that people can follow along. They'll, they'll register. Pre-registration is open right now and official registration starts on the 17th of this month. Challenge will start on October 17th and it will be 60 days. And once you purchase your challenge, you get access with a username and password and you'll be able to stream the workouts and follow Paolo and I through every single workout with a calendar, a meal plan. Alexa's on the team. She was there also. A whole detailed meal plan um, that you can accustom to your own weight and your own goals. And, yeah, it's going to be a good time, man. I can't wait. Okay. Well, given that schedule, I'm going to have to bump you up. I was going to drop this uh, podcast a little bit later. I think I'm going to have to bump you up in the schedule. Let me. So you just shot 30 days worth of workouts in three days? <laughs> That's right. Which was harder, 800 miles around Iceland or doing that? I think the... The intensity with the eight workouts a day was uh, far harder on the body, that's for sure. But the mental game was more Iceland. Yeah, it just it, for for listeners, if you've never been, if you've never done a fitness photo shoot, the the models are really working. I mean, honestly, they, they're not. And I know I've seen some of your video, Hannah. I know how hard you work, so I'm pretty. I'm still just considering that. You know, I don't. I'm not the guy in front of the camera. A lot of times, I'm I'm the guy behind the camera directing the photo shoot. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, and that's it's, it's fun work when I can get it. But it, but there is because the models you put out when you're in front of the camera, you work. How much harder does that? How much harder do you notice oh. yourself working as soon as you notice that that one eye staring at you? Oh my gosh! And the adrenaline's going, your anxiety's through the roof. And and for what we were doing, it's like it's a one take thing because we wanted to make it like real time. So if you mess up, I don't want to start this again. You know. So uh, I think that at the beginning, the producer was kind of so concerned because he was a little skeptical about this real time thing, and it's like you know, you guys going to be all right? Is this possible? And at the end of day one, after he saw how hard, we, and I mean, if anyone's ever seen how hard we work, imagine that, like if anyone's ever done one of my workouts, doing that workout, but with like a microphone on and having to talk and coach and remember what number you're on and still make sure that there's no silence because no one wants to watch a silent video. They want to talk and get educated and remember this, queuing on this. It makes it so much harder. And I think the producer was worried that the people that were following the program would know, would be able to tell that we were doing 30 workouts in three days. And because he, I could feel how he was a little hesitant and a little nervous that we weren't going to be able to, you know, complete this task. Paolo and I went back to the hotel room. We were like, all right, we are going to stay here. We're going to recover. We are going to fuel up and we are going to show these guys that we can do this. And we did. And we crushed it. Don't get me wrong. It was so hard. It was eight workouts in one day. Like, (laughs) and not, we weren't holding anything back. That's for sure. We wanted to give everything we had so that whoever does it realizes that we're not here to tell you what to do. We're here to do it with you. Like we aren't any better than you. We're going to do this with you. And it's hard work. And to get a good body or to get a good state of mind, it doesn't come easy. And it's constant work that you have to constantly put in. So I think that the fact that these people will see us struggle, they'll see us literally almost collapse and faint on set, that this is what it's about. It's real life. 
It's about working hard. And it's about working to that level of discomfort. So did you guys, did this, um, did this plan plan, did you guys plan this for the end of the year on purpose? Yeah. So, uh, it, the challenge will actually end just a few days before Christmas. So if everyone can make sure that they're looking all sexy in their Christmas dresses, yeah, you know? Yeah, because what's the big deal? I mean, here in the States, I don't know what, what happens in the UK where you're from, um, you know, but what happens here in the States, we know, is that, um, is that people, you know, towards the end of the year kind of let their eating go to the slide. So this will this help people kind of avoid that end of the year weight gain? Absolutely. And the way that we've uh, structured the meals is that you're not going to be hungry and like holding yourself back. You're still going to have extremely delicious, nutritious, wholesome foods, and it's going to be great. There's different um, meal plans for different dietary needs. And we have an active Facebook group. So if you are a participant in the challenge, you and your couple will be accepted into this group. And Alexa and I have plans to reveal some kind of like holiday recipe book or recipe, sorry, catered towards the holiday so that you're not going to be eating a grilled chicken and a salad when it's Thanksgiving or if you have a family or a holiday event or party to go to, we'll give you healthier options that will help you stay on track during the holidays. Well, and that's, I think that's really important because a lot of, a lot of times I think people kind of get in that mindset of about, you know, Halloween, candy starts popping up everywhere. It's like, oh, it's the end of the year. Well, I'm not worried about my exercise. I'll just, you know, I'll pick it up in January. Yeah. And, and nothing can be further from the truth. It's, it's, it actually, in all honesty, it's one of my favorite times of the year. Usually I train, I plan a really hard uh, training phase between Halloween and Christmas because I know the gyms aren't going to be as busy and I can push a little bit harder and have a little bit more freedom to roam around. Well, that's exactly my mentality too. And same thing on when I work out during the week, even on the Saturday, like I always make sure that I push harder on a Saturday so I can enjoy my weekend because I've earned it, you know, versus feeling guilty about what I'm consuming because I didn't put the work in. So I'm with you there. I always work harder during times where I want to indulge a little more. Yeah. And it's not even just a matter of indulging. It's just a matter of understanding how our body, you know, going through different training cycles and training phases. Well, Hannah, I really, it's really a lot of fun catching up with you. Hopefully one of these days we're in the same uh, neighborhood. And I would, you know, if you are going to be out, if you and Paolo are ever going to be out in LA again for a few days, please let me know. I'm only about an hour and a half. I'm actually driving up to LA tomorrow um, to do something with uh, some clubs up there for a little while. I do some work with Sam Bells. Uh, Hyperware and Sam Bells are our sponsor of the podcast. And I help them out with some stuff from time to time. Um, so LA is not a far drive at all. And I would love to come up, meet you guys, meet Paolo. And just kind of uh, talk, you know, and hang out a little bit and, and obviously catch a workout. I think I'd have to, I'm a little bit older than you, so I'd have to, you know, work a little bit harder to keep up. But I'm totally down for the challenge. Hey, I bet you'd be great. I bet you'd be great. I would love that tip. And if we are, I'll be sure to, to, sure to hit you up. Thank you so much for reaching back out and, and getting in contact with me again. I've had a great time today. So one more time, can you tell us about this uh, Fittest Couple Challenge and, and how people can find out about it? Yeah, so it's from Oxygen Magazine. So it's americasbusinesscouplechallenge.com. You head on over, you can pre-register now. It is a couple challenge, but it doesn't mean that it has to be a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It can be your mom, sister, aunt, brother, co-worker, friend, whatever it is. Someone that's going to commit to you, hold you accountable, kind of support you through 60 days. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be very rewarding and worth it. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get to touch these people around the world. Great. And if people want to find out more um, about what you're doing, you run the Pump Fit Club, which is an ongoing online thing, correct? That's right. So we have a brick and mortar gym here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And uh, I sell through HannahEdenFitness.com. I sell the daily workouts. So I have a tribe online, just hundreds and hundreds and I think thousands now actually of people around the world that do these workouts on a daily basis. 
And it's, we've created this online community that is the most powerful and supportive group of people that have kind of picked up on my real raw, you know, unfiltered kind of style of life. And it's really cool what people can do when they share stories that people can relate to. So it's a really powerful thing that we're doing. It's amazing. And you can find more about PumpFit on Instagram at PumpFit underscore club and uh, my website, HannahEdenFitness.com or HannahEden underscore fitness on Instagram. And then are you going to be doing any other work to help raise awareness or help uh, raise money to, to fight cancer? Yeah, always. So we actually opened up a nonprofit foundation called the Serene Soldier Foundation, and that is in memory of Jessica Boswell that passed in March this year. And we've been collecting money and all the money that we raised from Iceland. Uh, we are going to be giving back and creating a memory for families that are going through terminal cancer at Christmas time. Christmas Day was Jessica's birthday. So in November, we're going to be going back to the hospital that she was treated at to kind of find, find the families that fit the profile um, of the kind of people that we would like to support that is similar situation to Jessica's and to be able to create a smile or a memory that the whole family can keep forever. Oh, that sounds awesome. Hannah, I really, it really is a lot of fun getting to know you and getting to know a little bit of personality because your, your posts are very, you're captivating, you're motivating, you're engaging, and it really is a lot of fun to, to get to know the personality behind that, behind the images. So I really want to thank you for your time and, and thank you for, for what you're doing to get people moving. Appreciate you too. Thank you so much. Take care. All the best. Bye. Now, keep in mind, I've never actually met Hannah in person. And well, we're at one event together, but there's no we didn't we didn't actually meet. Maybe make that two events. Maybe anyway, that was a few years ago. And she's just somebody who I've been noticing from afar. I think I mentioned the last time I interviewed her, I did some consulting work with Reebok a couple years ago, and she was identified as an up and coming fitness influencer. And she really has become that. She really has. She's hardworking. She's dedicated. And the really the coolest thing, you know, the, one of the things that really blew me away in the last time we spoke in, in, the, in episode 110 was just how she took up her friends. She took up the sickness of her friend and loss of a close friend, and she made it personal, and she did something about it. You know, how many of us have dealt with loss? How many of us have dealt with a challenging situation that's devastating, the loss of a friend, the loss of a loved one, a close family member, maybe the loss of a job. I mean, it could be a number of different things. And in life, life really isn't what happens to us. It's how we respond to it. So, so seeing what Hannah is doing in terms of responding to the loss of a friend by going out, raising money for charity, you know, ra- you know, raising awareness and doing that really just, I mean, it, it puts her head and shoulders above other people in our industry. And there are a lot of phenomenal people in fitness doing phenomenal things. Hannah's one of them. She's doing really cool stuff. And her, her partner challenge sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have a little bit of information on that down below in the show notes. If you want to take her up on that, you know, she and her husband are doing a little partner challenge at the end of 2018. I try to leave these as evergreen, so there really is no dates on it. But it sounds like a really cool challenge. And we know the end of the year is always tough, you know, between Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, other holidays. You know, there's a ton of empty calories around. So having some kind of physical challenge can help you at least stay, you know, follow your activity plan, follow your fitness plan. You know, it really is, you know, for people that listen regularly, I don't make a big deal about having to look a certain way. That really is not the goal of these podcasts. What I want to do with these podcasts is give you information that can help you do your favorite activities. My definition of fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. For Hannah, she wanted to do a race around the ring road 
to raise money for charity. And we were talking about filming. You know, she talked about filming all those workouts. You know, I've been on plenty of filming sets for fitness stuff. I've directed stuff and, and done a number of different things. And it really is tough. When you're in front of that camera, you're working really hard. That camera pushes you. And it pushes you to have excellent form because you know people are watching you. My role is behind the camera. I watch the model's form. I watch somebody like Hannah. I watch somebody like her husband. And I check on the video monitor to make sure they have good form. Because nothing can kill a brand quicker than showing an exercise video with poor form. I've done that for American Council on Exercise. I've done that for 24 Hour Fitness, for Reebok, and a couple other brands. And it really is a fun thing to do. But you see people that put out these videos. You see people that put out these workout programs like Hannah. They really put a lot of their energy into it. And what, what I like about having this conversation is you get to have some depth to who Hannah is. What motivates her and how she just... She really is very typical of a lot of fitness professionals. Fitness professionals get into this game not to make money. Some people are able to leverage their success and, and do pretty well, but they have to work their tail off for it. But I can guarantee you, everybody that's been a trainer for more than a couple of years or been an instructor has one common purpose, and that's to help other people. For a lot of us, fitness comes easy. Exercise, coaching, cueing, motivating others comes easy. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to give the gift of fitness to other people. We're trying to give the gift of health to other people. That's what we're doing. The only thing we want is, you know, a little bit of compensation on the back end. Pay us for our time. Pay us for our knowledge. I've seen one or two things recently on uh, other people's Instagram feeds about how, well, why don't you just give this away? I'm sorry. The work that we do as fitness professionals, it takes a lot of work to come up with programs. It takes a lot of effort for Hannah to do what she's doing. She should be compensated for it, and rightly so. If you buy one of Hannah's programs, you're getting something that's really well thought out. That can have an effect on you. That can help you, you know, improve your health, your fitness, whether you want to improve appearance and other stuff. That's up to you. What I want to do with these interviews with people like Hannah, just give you a little bit of background to who they are. She's not just, you know, an attractive body on Instagram. You know, she's not just somebody out there showing off, you know, the way her body's responded to exercise. She really has her heart and her soul behind what she's doing. She's trying to make a difference. That's what we're all trying to do. We're trying to make a difference by helping you learn how to add a little bit more activity to your life. Because the one thing that's for sure, like you could do Hannah's program. You could do something I write. You could do one of many different programs. We can't guarantee, we can't, nobody can guarantee what's going to produce results. But one thing we know for sure, one thing we know for absolutely certain is that a lack of exercise is unhealthy. Now, it is unfortunate. Sometimes healthy, fit, good, high-quality people like Hannah's friend Jessica do lose their lives early. But here's the deal, folks. If you just exercise, be active 15 to 30 minutes a day, you can go a long way to improving your overall health and quality of life. Thanks for tuning in this episode of All About Fitness. Please check out the sponsors' pages. Uh, we got hyperware.com terracorefitness.com and also I got to start off with this my book is coming out I'm coming out with a book a little bit later this year it's called Smarter Workouts and it's really about a little bit of the science behind exercise I go into the science of metabolic conditioning core training mobility training and I come up with a number of different programs that you can do from the comfort of your own home or at your gym actually some of the programs feature sandbells that's why I'm a big fan of the product but that's Smarter Workouts I'll have a link to that down below in the show notes Connect with me. I'm on Instagram, Pete McCall underscore fitness. Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Lately, I've been posting, posting uh, glute shots with Abby Apple, uh, another fitness presenter, another uh, good friend of mine. 
And we're kind of like trying to outglute each other <laughs> with various exercises. So you can follow her at Abby Apple. That's Abby A P P E L at uh, Instagram.com. So we're throwing, we're doing a little glute battle back and forth. You can also follow me on Twitter, PeteMC underscore fitness on Twitter, or you can email me, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. I really appreciate your stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.